what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on The Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. Today is one of our favorite shows of the year. It is our fourth annual Business Lessons from the Movies podcast. It's a podcast spectacular. And we'll be joined by the founders of the Foot Candle Film Society, Alan Jackson and Chris Fry. And we'll give you some movie ideas to make it through the holidays with a minimum of conversation with your in-laws. <laughs> and we'll end up today with our Small Businesses of the Month. We'll see if Chris and Alan can uh, throw a few out there to share with us. Uh, I'm here. My name's Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm director of the Small Business Center at the Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who's the dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how are you doing today? Jeff, doing great. I think these movie ideas will be uh, just what the doctor ordered for Thanksgiving dinner so we don't have to talk about the elections. That's right. Yeah, you might have some relatives that are ready to make America great again. You might have some that think America's already great. You know, who knows where those conversations could go. So could be some know, challenges. When it gets a little tense, it's days. time to, you know, if there's no football games on, you want the movies, this is this is going to help you get through the holidays as it does every year. And I want to welcome our guests, uh, Alan Jackson, Chris Fry. Alan, Chris, how are you guys doing? Doing great. We're great. Great. Glad to be here. It's our fourth annual. It's, it's been doing this for a while. Pretty exciting. It's like a tradition. It's, it's like a tradition. It's like, a, you know, this is like setting out your stockings. This is all about, you know, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, having turkey on Thanksgiving Day. Needs the a, we know Christmas is coming yeah, because of the podcast. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, and, Kids, and, we're not going to we're not going to start celebrating the holidays until the movies podcast episode of Entrepreneur Exchange. <laughs> that's, that's right. You can start listening to Christmas music. My kids were talking about that over the weekend. You as can listen to Christmas music. Put out the Christmas lights once this podcast drops, and everything is, is all clear at that point in time. Right. And Alan and Chris host their own mesh podcast uh, uh foot foot candle film so you know this is kind of a, a mesh mash i i really oh, wow say, i wanted to say that all day <laughs> mesh mash it's a crossover it's uh you know just like they used to do on the old tv shows the sitcoms where the characters from one show would somehow yeah. pop up in another show we're here to kind of do that guest yeah, you know, laverne and shirley happy days okay perfect example who's fonzie are you fonzie i don't know about that <laughs> And anyway, since, it, since, over here, so. since this is the fourth time we've done this podcast, it was maybe we've, we've been doing podcasting for a while. So I was, I was out cruising the interweb looking for some information on the growth of podcasts. And, I, and, and obviously podcasting is one way that businesses can go out and reach their customers and help build their customer base and get people excited about their their business and their products, their services. Today, over 17% of Americans now listen to a podcast at least once a month. And there are a lot of Americans out wow. there. So that's, 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 great. that's a pretty big number. Mm-hmm. There are over 60,000 podcasts now active on iTunes. And we appreciate you listening to ours because you have a lot of choice out there. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Mesh Network, if you go to the Mesh.tv, you will find a lot of great choices in the Mesh Network. You guys know what the average length of a podcast is. What would you think? 22 minutes. Wow. He's right. <laughs> oh, he cheated. No. That's, that's what the data says. I it totally, says it, I, honestly, I totally guessed. I had no indication of that whatsoever. Now, most podcasts are done on a weekly basis. We're doing a monthly basis. So when we go over 22 minutes, we will not feel guilty. That's 
That's right. That makes sense. I got that just right. You got the 22 minutes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with myself. All right. <laughs> so, so what do you think the top podcast, most popular podcast categories, the types of subjects? Mm-hmm. Uh, Entrepreneurship. Yeah. Absolutely. That's got to be number one. <laughs> actually, Followed by podcasts we'll talk about movies. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, actually, um, is management and marketing is number nine. Okay. Okay. We made the top, top ten. 10. So and, is it a uh, and TV and film, which Chris said is number four. Is it is it is it just more general news? I mean, is that well? This is 2015 information and news and politics in 2015 was number six. I wonder oh, whether I that might have gone to be up a little bit higher in 2016. Yeah. But, but the 2015 so, information had it at number six. Maybe like pop culture. I don't know, I'm just kind of guessing here. Pop culture. Comedy. Comedy is number three. Okay. Sports. Sports oh, yeah. is number eight. What? Wow. Wow. So now I know that you got top- 22 minutes like that and you can't get the uh, top that, categories. The top podcast, you know, as far as individual show was the um what was the one where it was the true true crime kind of following uh, serial podcast serial. from NPR. And I don't really know where that falls if that's uh yeah. All right. Well, I so so I'll help yeah, I'll help fill in. So so number 10, I'm going to start up number 10 and this is 2015 information, and it's obviously evolving and growing. So some of this could have changed, but, but hopefully it gives us some directional information. Personal journals, number 10. Hmm. Number nine, management and marketing. Number eight, sports. Number seven, video games. Uh, yeah. okay. Number six, news and politics. Number five, literature. I don't know if cereal would fall under that broad category or not. Oh, I don't know. Number four, TV and film. Okay. Number three, comedy. Number two, now come on, guys, music, uh, music. Number one, Christian. Really? In terms really? of the number of podcasts, so very religious based uh, podcast kind yeah. of were the most popular. So, anyway, that so it's interesting. I had no idea. <laughs> so my whole thing with podcasts, I'm just fascinated by with all this. I mean, even like the 22 minutes and, and all that. The reason I honestly came up that number is I think. I think a lot of people use podcasting in transit. I agree for commuting. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot. Of, I think a very average commute time for people is probably that fifteen twenty minutes for a lot of people. You know, whether you're going across the city or you're going from out, out uh, rural to more urban, yeah, fifteen twenty minutes. That's a great time. That makes a lot of sense. I and didn't I think, think about it. That makes the episode a bunch of sense. You got one on the way to work. You got one on the way back from work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So that's kind of why I think that length is a good length for podcasts mm-hmm. in general. Of course, all of ours go over an hour, but you know, what do we what do we know? That's <laughs> for the folks that are in New York, and right? LA. Yeah, you're stuck in uh, grid or in traffic. You know, we're here to help you out with that. So. Well, I, I, I hope our, our listeners will bear with with us uh, and, and stick with us beyond the 22 yes. minutes today. But uh, anyway, just as as we're celebrating our fourth annual, I just I just I just thought that would be some interesting information. So, can I throw out one little interesting thing that I still feel like podcasting is where where this is all going. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in the whole uh, TV, internet TV box, you know, this, this idea. We don't have cable anymore to our house. So everything we do is through a little Apple TV box on our two TVs. And we're pretty locked in on that. And I can get most of what I need to get TV-wise that I want to pay for there. But what I love is the fact that podcast is a big button on that main screen, just like it is with a lot of other TV boxes you can get now. I mean, it really is a self-publishing you know, medium that honestly, if somebody wanted to pull up a podcast on their TV set, just like they do 
uh, a latest CBS TV show or a movie on Netflix. It's all right there to get to. So I think it's going to be some interesting times the next couple of years as people mm-hmm. producing specialized content like this show and other things and having even more ways for people to get to it. So it's just going to be how it all integrates with TVs and, and, and these other devices over time. So I, I just feel the demise of our show will be if we, if we ever want to add video to it and people yeah, have yeah, to yeah. look at us and that's not going to be good. Oh, it's a well, great, we great looking group. We, do, we can we say that till we go we on video. In, uh, we bring in actors and they just basically lip sync our dialogue I'm, for the 45 minutes or so. We I'm, I'm glad that you've thought through this. <laughs> We've already lined up actors. I'm, All right. I'm chosen. So, yeah. All right. Well, our main topic today Business lessons from the movies, and uh, our premise is that with the holiday season coming up, we're going to be spending time with family, friends, going to parties, getting gifts, giving gifts, but there will be some time when you will need some downtime or uh, you know, just uh, some, some entertainment to assist with your family, and, and we're here with some movie recommendations that uh, have some connection to business. Uh, our guidelines is that it needs to provide some sort of business lesson, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a business movie. So, you know, so our, 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 our rules are fairly loose, and uh, but but that's sort of what we want to give to you. So, so we're going to go around and, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll each share some some movie thoughts that we've seen or enjoyed, and uh, and go from there. And uh, who wants to go first? We'll let our guests go first. Oh, okay. Well, I I have two because I always well start with one. I can start with one. <laughs> um, so, all right. So this is this is a this is a tricky one for me, and I'll tell you why. Last year, I I brought up a film called uh, The Pirates of Silicon Valley as one of my choices. Mm-hmm. It was the whole Bill Gates, Steve Jobs kind of uh, their their competition through the years, and kind of uh, how they really fed off of each other as competitors, but also on a personal level too. So I, I am a huge. I don't want to say I'm, a, I'm not a fan of Steve Jobs. I'm just I'm I'm very intrigued by him as an individual. Always have been. Read all the biographies. I've you know read a lot of articles about him. I think he's an amazing figure. Although I don't, I can't say I admire every aspect of him. So we did have a new film come out just last year about him called Steve Jobs. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not the biggest fan of this film. I don't think the film's a really great film. But if we're talking about business lessons to gain from a film i do think this is one that somebody especially if you're thinking about uh, in the tech industry or you're in the design industry or even kind of in a startup and you really got some big aspirations i think this is an interesting movie to watch and pull some really fascinating details from but again i'm I'm going on record saying i don't think it's a great movie i I actually was pretty disappointed with it when i saw it because i went in with really really high expectations for it um the way the film works is it follows him through three periods of time in his life career. And it's before keynotes that he gives, you know, he's really well known for giving these big, uh, great keynotes to uh, unveil new products and new, new computers. So we see it at three different stages of his life, but the, but the film is not the keynotes. The film is the lead up to the keynote. So it's like a, a 45 to 15 minute block of time leading up to him going on stage all the backstage negotiations and discussions and issues and fights and all that. That's what we see at three different time periods. And uh, there's just some really interesting things I pulled from the film that some things I didn't quite know about him as well. You know, he was not a nice guy. You know, I think anybody could be pretty, pretty uh, universally agreeing on that. But at the same time, like the, uh, my favorite scene of the film was the very first scene 
where they're trying to talk about unveiling the first Macintosh computer. And he's talking to the engineers backstage and he says, I have to have the Macintosh talk. Like they had been working on this for a while where it was actually going to say, hello, Steve, I'm Macintosh. And up on stage, the crowd would go wild. People would freak out about it. And they're backstage and it's an hour before the keynote and the computer's not talking yet. And Steve Jobs is livid about it and says, no, you're going to make it talk. And I, I believe in you guys. I just need to work for this demo. And I mean, he's both motivating and also intimidating at the same time. But it's just he knew that that had to happen for me to connect with the audience the way I want it to connect. So his passion. I mean, I, I admire the guy's passion. I admire his drive. I could do without the way he, he treats his coworkers and subordinates. Not a great leader. Not a great in, leader, but a great the, visionary. Right. You know, so it, it, and I think the film does a good job of showing that. The film does not pull any punches. It shows him at his worst, mm-hmm. uh, both in a personal, uh, his personal mm-hmm. life and also with his, uh, his colleagues. But I do think it, it does get some good messages across about it. You, know, you do have to be driven. You do have to have a vision. It is important, and that vision will drive you to a good place. But you've also got to keep in mind the personal side of relationships with people you work with and how that could actually damage you. To me, though, the most important thing somebody could pull away from this, this film, you know, Apple took 20 years to become the kind of powerhouse company it is, you know, back that it came up to in like the, the mid late 90s. You know, it took 20 plus years. So anybody looking at a film like this and saying, oh, I want a company just like Apple. Just understand, they went through 20 Lots to 30 years. Down. Yeah, 20-year uh, overnight success. It is not a simple matter of we're going to be Apple and we're just going to go take off and run. It is a long haul sometimes. So if you want to be like an Apple, just understand there were long periods of time where they were about on the verge of bankruptcy. And that's mentioned in this film as well. I think you see the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an interesting film. Not a great film, but I do think it's a very interesting film to see the inner workings of how some of these really dynamic characters interacted yeah. in a very pivotal time in technology. So, so say for the family, or is this after the kids go to bed? No, probably. I, I think it's just it's just language. It's just a heavy language film. You know, it's it's Steve Jobs backstage. I okay. mean, it's not going to be kind words. All right, but um, you know, I think a teenager would be fine with it. Okay. I think uh, again, they may be bored with it. Quite honestly, it's all talking heads. Mm-hmm. It's all people walking down hallways and talking. No explosions no or explosions, anything. Okay. Nothing. It, I, uh, I agree with you. I watched it. And I think it. If I wasn't really focused on him and under, yeah. trying to learn more about him and how he did things, I would get bored. Yeah, it, it, it's not a great film. It's yeah. just if you're really focusing and saying, "I want to watch and see how he acts, how he operates, the good and the bad of this guy." Mm-hmm. If you're focused on it with that angle, then you get something out of it. But. Um, Again, is it the one that will uh, keep everybody quiet during the holidays so you can focus on a movie? Probably not, but it is one you may want to steal away and watch some different scenes on and get some interesting insights in this character. Uncle Bob's a lot like that screaming Steve Jobs guy. Why why is he drawing comparisons to people in the film? Right. So anyway, Steve Jobs, I think it's interesting from a business perspective for sure. All right. All right. Uh, So we've got Steve Jobs. Chris, what do you got for us? So I looked back through the diligent research that was forwarded to me by Jeff, and Alan has not recommended this movie, which blew my mind because it is one of his favorite movies. Oh, it might be my second one, though. Uh-oh. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I was worried that you went first. Ahead, I was like, this I'm, may be the year that you picked the movie. Uh, um, but it's 1994 comedy Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, no. Uh, by the Coen Brothers. 
And what's there's several interesting things about this film just off the bat. We record this podcast in North Carolina, and this film was actually shot at the Curl Coast Studios down in Wilmington, North Carolina. A lot of it was. Um, also, this film has grown in estimation and film fans and lovers. It's kind of like its own kind of cult classic because when it came out, it was a flop, but it's a great movie. Um, so it's kind of one of those things that like didn't do well to begin with, but then has kind of built its reputation. Now, to get to the story of the movie, which is also kind of interesting, the whole concept of the movie was there's this huge corporation, it's the Hudsucker Corporation, which is where the name of the movie comes from, uh, run by Paul Newman, or his character at least. What happens is the Hudsucker man dies, and so they're like, okay, let's get somebody in here to, re- to replace him, and Paul Newman's big idea, he's on the board, is, oh, let's get this idiot, and we'll drive the company in the ground, and then we'll be able to buy, get the stock at a low price, and, you know, it's just all these machinations back room. The thing is, Tim Robbins, who plays the guy who comes in, he comes up with this idea. He's like, ah, oh, and like basically comes up with the idea for a hula hoop. And they're like, great, this guy's a lunatic. He just draws a circle on a piece of paper. <laughs> he has no idea what he's talking about. This is perfect. This is going to ruin the company. Hula hoop comes out, initially is a flop, just like the Hudsucker Proxy, but then, of course, becomes a huge success and makes the company a bunch of money. So... You know, it's all about ideas and some things that may seem crazy at first or nobody's going to latch on to actually end up, um, you know, helping a company or whatever. So that's kind of the business lesson all around. Kind of great movie. Granted, it came out in 1994. It was rated PG. Haven't seen it in a while, so I think oh, no. it would be it's okay still very for, family friendly. for families. Okay, no, there's so. nothing offensive about it whatsoever at all. So, so. that's Co- my recommendation. Cone Brothers are sometimes an acquired taste. True. True, yeah. and this is one of their more general. This is probably their films. most accessible films, you know, that I think a family could actually enjoy. I, I've, I've had it on my list to show to my kids for a while because I think it's a fun movie. Um, that's a great choice. That was not my second choice, but okay. I'm glad you brought that up. That's that's a really good good pick, you know. And, and plus, I know it's a little more of exaggerated style of business, maybe back sure. in the, the the 40s or 50s, but it still had some interesting, you know boards making decisions about how they're going to kind of manage this company and the idea of putting somebody in a position of power with the sole purpose of driving the stock price down and how different business decisions have impacted the company. It it has some interesting lessons or notes from it. And spoiler, but this film has been out for a long time. So if you haven't seen it, shame on you, but this will be your opportunity to catch up. He presents that idea. The company kind of turn around. He earns a lot of money and he kind of loses his way a little bit. And, you know, it's wrapped up in the fame and fortune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and then has to kind of come back around. So, you know, something to grab hold of. And it actually does take place in the holiday time, so it's a perfect oh, yeah. holiday film. Wow. Yeah. Per- should, we, should we stop here? Well, let's, go, uh, let's move on. Let's move yeah. on. All right, Gary, what, uh, well, what's on your list today? ties into Christmas. Joy. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, let's talk about Joy. Yeah, how about that? What a great movie. From a business perspective, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. Okay. Right? From the standpoint of, you know, with this person, and of course it's family. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of, getting the business part is part of it, but it's all the other interrelationships, and of course I like relatively happy endings, so it, after some ups and downs, uh, mm-hmm. from a business perspective, she uh, she makes it. So that's the Joy, what's her, is it Mercado? What's her last name? I'm trying to remember. but I can't remember the, the real life person's name, but Jennifer Lawrence was the one who played. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I cannot remember the... But she's, she's the, the one, one that... the mop and the whole yeah. Home uh-huh. Shopping Channel type stuff. Right. right. Yeah. Or sold it to Home Shopping Channel. I liked that movie. I know somebody at this table did not. I... <laughs> 
It is a great story. It is a good, and it is definitely business. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I mean, it, you think of the things that she went through absolutely. as they described. No, it's a really good choice. I, I've seen it happen in real life. Uh, absolutely. In different places. Expectations so it was were the killer for me because David and Russell, who made that movie, right. he's made a lot of other movies that I really like. Um, and, and, and did he do the Silver Linings Playbook? And, yes, and that, he did. which, you know, because it's the same sort of group of actors yeah. that mm-hmm. show up in some of these, which, Brian, yeah, which I really Cooper, like. Yeah. So there's a, there is a lot good about this film, but it fell short of my expectations. So maybe that's From a movie me. perspective. From a movie yes, perspective. Yeah, the story is great. I get that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was fascinated by the story. Yeah, and just I, kind I of linking some of the pieces, I think he could have done a better job either mm-hmm. in writing, directing, but. Absolutely a good movie for business lessons. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a great choice. And I, I'm sorry with Chris on that. And then I I saw the movie. I To me, it, I don't know, it felt a little bit uneven or just bumpy or choppy or I don't know what. Something. But, I agree. But, it was a little but, disjointed. I'm not a movie person, Craig, mm-hmm. like you guys are. But it wasn't as smooth as I would have. But the, yeah. the story that was portrayed, you could, uh, we've seen it in real life and oh, yeah. different things like that. And, of course, the Home Shopping Network and some of the different things that tied into it were kind of cool no i think it was a, that's a great choice i completely forgotten about that one so that's great. all right well i'm i'm gonna really destroy my movie credibility with alan and chris <laughs> with with my first choice and, and you it, didn't put me in that category i don't know uh, i think you'll i think you'll like this actually <laughs> I, I write this in guilty pleasure uh the, the guilty pleasure pleasure type right. category but i i whenever it comes on i can't help myself i start watching the intern with Robert De Niro. Oh, yes, and, indeed. And Anne Hathaway. Oh, it was on my short list. You're exactly okay. right. See, I, I cannot judge because I have not I seen it. I have not it. seen it either. All right. Well, I... I I will not judge a film. I'm not. It is predictable. It's Robert De Niro is a 70-year-old widower who wants to get back involved with things, and he goes to a startup company uh, in, in a senior intern type program. It's a startup company that's selling women's apparel uh, in Brooklyn, and it's just sort of the stereotypical, this is what a startup should look like. And Anne Hathaway is the workaholic CEO that eventually he becomes assigned to and turns into a, a trusted advisor and sort of earns his stripes and uh, and, and to me, it just, it again, gave me the stereotype of what the Internet startup should look like in this big old warehouse in, mm-hmm. in Brooklyn with mm-hmm. all this open space and chaos happening all over the place, so which which I thought was sort of cool. And, and uh, it gets into some other business issues in terms of should the founder of the company be the CEO of the company? One of the one of the plot lines is. Uh, Anne Hathaway started this company. It's starting to grow. They've got some private equity money coming into it, and and it's growing. It's doing well, but is she over her head? And the equity people are encouraging her to uh, interview and hire a full time CEO. And is that what she wants? Is that mm-hmm. a good thing? And and it gets into some interesting workplace work life balance issues of you know what is what what role can older experienced senior workers play in this capacity is it is it you know the, is the movie realistic I don't know I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure certain parts of it are yeah. Um, yeah, you know uh, but uh, you know using senior workers in that sort of capacity and also uh, there there are some plot lines that go a little little too far but just they're the interesting dynamic of uh, Anne Hathaway's husband has given up his career to stay at home with their young kid, mm-hmm. and that creates some challenges uh, for for their marriage, for their family, and 
uh, you know, it goes a little bit further into that than than I would particularly like. But but I, I think there there are real issues out there, and that mm-hmm. that if you look at the numbers, there are fewer men are working, and you know, how does that uh, you know, how does that deal with the fragile male psyche? So yeah. uh, so there's some interesting issues. But and with all that said, it's still a fairly light movie, yeah. you know, and it's not going, you know, it's it's good for the family, you know, happy happy endings abound, and uh, there might be a, a one or two bad words, but not a lot in there. It's a pretty safe movie for mm-hmm. the family. So, so the intern Robert De Niro and Hathaway. I think it sounds great. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd heard some different different uh, mixed things about it. Some people really liking it. Some just thinking it's a little mediocre. I. I I love anything business related and just kind of exploring the workplace environment. So I'm I'm interested now. Thank you. Okay. Well, you know, and Robert De Niro, it's it's it doesn't go into the, the dirty grandpa type Robert De Niro <laughs> type area, you know, which I'm sure you guys worry about this sort of stuff, and that he's a pretty significant actor with great chops who's yeah. done some questionable films over the last yeah, few years. So. Questionable, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so that's the intern. My, okay. Cool. That's right. uh, that's a good recommendation. All actually, right. Yeah. So, uh, well, I've got so I've got one, my one other one, and uh, this is one. Honestly, I can't believe I haven't brought up in all the four years, three years we've done this previous. It is my absolute favorite movie, and I still tell everybody if you have not seen this movie, I mean, it's just you have to see this movie. And even if you don't like it, you've just got to appreciate what it is. It's Citizen Kane. I mean, nineteen forty-one. Uh, the story that Charles Foster Kane is done by Orson Welles, which was. You know, kind of based on on a actual on Rockefeller at the time, I believe. Uh, you know, kind of based on a real life character, a real life person, someone who went through the newspaper. No, it's not Rockefeller. Who Hearst, was it? Hearst, 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 William Randolph, Randolph Hearst. Hearst. Yes. That's it. Sorry, I got my other people mixed up. Heard the Hearst Empire, who kind of rose through the newspapers and then became larger than life and lavish lifestyle, and kind of got involved in politics for a while as well. So this is really basically a satire in a way of that that person. But, you know, even if you kind of take all that aside, you don't know the historical side of it. You're just watching it as a movie. Um, to see someone, you know, who, who starts very modest beginnings be given just tons of money as part of an inheritance, as part of a trust, because I believe his parents had a uh, coal mine or some sort of land that was extremely valuable. So they would believe him all this money after they passed away and he became a teenager. You know, he, he was first as a youth, he was driven by what his passion was. He wanted to be a newspaper guy. He wanted to fight for the common man. He wanted to be the voice of the common man. And it's just, he's so admirable for that first half of the film. And then he just falls in the same trap that, you know, a lot of these films we're talking about now are saying that, you know, you kind of get wrapped up in the fame and the fortune and the power and you see his decline because of that. So from a business lesson standpoint, I love the first half of the film because I love the energy that he shows as someone who's really wanting to do good. He's got all this money. He's got all this potential and he wants to do good with it, but he can make a living for himself and be happy and do some good things for society. But then you get to the later in the film and you see how it's, corrupted him just like it has so many other people before uh it's a good cautionary tale i think for the second mm-hmm. half as well so i i just i mean i think it's a perfect film and you know if you haven't seen it you need to see it but i do think there's a lot of good business lessons in there about just uh the price of fame and fortune and the um how easy it is to get off the beaten path the if you're not watching yourself yeah okay. the temptation with it so it's 1941 so what that means is 
Uh, there's not going to be anything questionable from a family standpoint to watch it. Just again, like my Steve Jobs suggestion, mm-hmm. it may not be the most enthralling film for everybody in your family to watch. But it's just, you know, it's a classic. I mean, it's just, it is my all-time favorite film. Well, you know, and, so. and my, my kids are, you know, if, if it's black and white, they're not going to watch. Have they colorized this yet? <laughs> I have not yeah. seen a colorized version. Miracle on 34th you, you, you Street needs to be You probably colorized. hope it has not been colorized no, yet. No, it has not. I don't think anybody's tried to touch that. So right. uh, um, I just, I think, the more I think about it, I do think it's a good business lesson on following your passions, doing what's right for, the, for, for your fellow man, but... Always avoiding that or watching out and monitoring that temptation that comes along with it. So, and, and I would say, arguably, from from critics' perspective, if not the greatest American movie, certainly in the top. It's certainly in the top, in the top five. Yeah. Well, it, it's just. I mean, I can talk for an hour about the film itself. I'm not going to do that. But I just say, just understand when you're watching this. This was done in 19 early 1940s when film had really not been around very long, and they were doing some incredible things with camera movements and actual special effects. I mean, there actually are special effects in this film, but for 1940 is amazing to see. Um, so it's just, it's a great film all the way around. And Orson Welles is pretty crazy. I mean, pretty good crazy. Right. And just uh, amazing to watch in this film. So anyway, Citizen Kane. Uh, I cannot believe I have not brought it up in four years. All right. <laughs> all right well, mine is, uh, my second recommendation is Alan, I think you've heard of this movie, but it's Indie Game, and it's a documentary. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is one that, uh, if you're sitting there, yeah, the whole family, it's a documentary. Some people may tune out, but your nephews who may be really into video games and think that's what they want to do for a living, say, come here. <laughs> Let's watch this documentary together. There may be a little bit of language in there, but overall, it's just very straightforward. It follows three different video game developers. And I'm not talking about the people who are doing Mario Brothers or whatever. This is Indie Game. So these are people that basically say, okay, I'm going to give two years of my life and try to bring this game to fruition. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, And they follow specifically, they hone in on three different game developers, and you'll hear the titles and be like, I've never heard of these games. Kind of the point. They did did Braid, which was a very successful game. I do know Braid. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they followed that one, kind of showed like, here's a successful game. Then, under development, was Super Meat Boy. And they were following these two guys as they were working on this game. And then another game that was supposed to be very successful, but then was just in development, for lack of a better term, a development hell, could not get out of development. And it was called Fez. And they follow these guys as they their ups and downs and trying to bring these games to life. And for me, I liked games when I was like a teenager, but I'd kind of, you know, now that I work, I don't really play video games anymore. But it was fascinating to see these guys and the struggles and how it's obviously something they're very passionate about. And they love video games, but, you know, even some online responses, they're dealing with people responding to like demos that they put out there. And they have to deal with, you know, internet people coming at them and just being ruthless to them and how that really affects them (laughs) because that used to be them they used to be the people that would make comments about video games or you know be really passionate and then to have some of their fans kind of turn against them it's kind of brutal (laughs) at some points in the in the film so uh indie game i recommend it something another little interesting fact this movie was actually brought about from a Kickstarter campaign. So, you know, it got to be made into a movie because they raised funds and kind of self-started the movie. So, Indie Game, I highly recommend it. It is on my watch list because I have a 14 and a 10-year-old boy that are big video game fanatics, so I'm sure that would actually be a fun watch. So, yeah. Or interesting watch, anyway. So, yeah. very cool. Good. All right. Gary? 
Me? How about the big short? Ah, uh, yes. Oh, well. I was waiting From to see if anybody was going to mention that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, a little bit of language. <laughs> just a tiny bit. A little bit. About every other sentence. Not one for the kiddies. Not one for the kiddies. Not one for the kids. Because no, no, no. actually, it really is a great story, again, mm-hmm. about real life and the subprime uh, loans and the disaster and betting against it. And uh, my wife went with me and... Uh, I have to say the first little while she was going, it was kind of saying, this will be a Christmas present for me if you go with. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, uh, but by the end, she was really into the movie and what was going on. She, and she turns and says, did that really happen? Did that happen? Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's movie, what's amazing. Right. Yeah. And I can't wait. You know, kids, mm-hmm. My kids aren't mm-hmm. quite old enough to show this movie to yeah. yet. But they're getting mm-hmm. to be there because I want them to see like, yes, this is something that happened. It's kind of it is really complicated, but it is I want very you to I want you to understand it, and it's entertaining. So they take a very complicated subject yeah. like subprime mortgages and all that stuff, and they make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And they have like sometimes swimsuit models talking to the camera explaining the concepts, but that's to try to make it entertaining. Yeah. Well, again, and, my wife went from this is over my head and something I'm not really interested into. By the end, she was really into yeah. it and saying, like I said, did this happen? Right. Could this mm-hmm. happen? I said, no, it did happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I believe that is now available on Netflix. I believe. Yeah, I believe it is. Do you think we can do it for our students at school? You're the dean. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> short me. period of time if we do that at school. <laughs> Although I'd love to show it. Well, it's it's fascinating. I mean, you, you talk about sometimes movies being uh, history lessons for us, and you know, this is one where it's not a documentary. I mean, these are people acting, but my gosh, it's probably the most educational yes. film I've seen about a real life event. Yeah. That's happened to us in the and, last and they kept 20 it years. Interesting from that yeah, perspective. Yeah, and from an educational perspective, the discussions that would happen after that would probably be, you know, would make any of the tight wire oh, it would, walking I was in the say, language be worth say, it. Because, this, yeah, yeah, here's the disclaimer, but then yeah. people watching, they yep. you I, have discussions for a long time. I, I would recommend you hit them with a double feature and follow up with Wolf of Wall Street, Gary. <laughs> yeah, sure. Now, Gary, I was going to ask, I, I seem to remember Wolf of Wall Street was another film you took your yes, wife to. it was. You're batting as far as on the... Uh, I, don't think, I don't think they got through that movie, though, as I recall. Well, this we one, did. We're still married, by the way. This one, at least the, the big short, you know, is one you guys could stick through and it was rewarding, you know. You're exactly Wolf right. We've gone through two movies, and I, I'm not sure I get to choose the Christmas movie for this year, <laughs> as a matter enough. of fact. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, the big short's great. Yeah. It's a really good film. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I've got sort of a, a two-movie recommendation with a, a common theme, okay. and, and, and you'll have to work with me on this. As some of you know, I know Chris knows that I'm I'm a big music fan, and I mm-hmm. I get sucked into movies that talk about the music industry and how bands rise and bands fall yeah. and and that sort of thing and sort of the behind the scenes business aspects of that. Even though that might not always be the mm-hmm. the main theme of the music, but just so so the first one, sort of an oldie but goodie, is that thing you do. Which mm-hmm. uh, Tom Hanks was in, but it's sort of the the rise and fall of a band from Erie, Pennsylvania that has sort of a called the Wonders, and they have one hit, and they're sort of a one hit wonder, and you sort of watch them uh, become very popular, and Tom Hanks uh, with Playtone Records comes in and takes them and sort of packages them and guides them, and and they they go across the country touring, they end up on. 
Uh, Ed Sullivan. I don't think it was Ed. It was it was the Ed Sullivan type show. I'm not yeah. sure they called it that in the movie, but <laughs> that's what it was. Ned Sullivan, right? <laughs> something like that. You know, where you know, they, you know, but but as they go through, you know, fissures are developing, and and you're you're sort of. Uh, you know, watching the behind the scenes of how Playtone Records operates mm-hmm. and what they're more interested in, and uh, not necessarily the craft of the music or the art of the music, but what's going to sell and, yeah. and getting them to to do the Playtone songs and all that. And and ultimately, uh, the band is not going to survive that. But it's a very fun, pleasant, very mm-hmm. happy taking place in the 1960s and, and you know probably sort of uh, around the time the Beatles were coming over here mm-hmm. in the same sort of you know screaming uh, teenagers and, and all that and, and another one that I can sit back and when, if it happens to be on watch for a while so so on the Me one too. hand love it I've got uh, you know I like that one which takes place in the 60s but the other one I was I recommend was one that I saw at Foot Candles mm-hmm. Begin Again Mm-hmm. Which uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know has has uh, takes place. I, I think it was filmed in 2014, mm-hmm. and it's uh, sort of a comedy drama with uh, Kira Knightley, uh, who is the is with the, uh, a, a very popular, successful songwriter that's coming to the United States and signing big record deals, played by Adam Levine from Maroon 5. Mm-hmm. And they have a breakup, and she is heartbroken, and she runs into a down-on-his-luck record producer, Mark, uh, played by Mark Ruffalo, uh, who's been drinking, had lots of things gone bad in his personal and professional life, but he sees something in her, and hears some of her songs, and they... Uh, and has a vision for what uh, her music could be, and they uh, try to sell it to record companies, and that's not what the record companies are looking for. So uh, they decide that they're going to do their own thing and recruit some musicians with the help of CeeLo Green, played by CeeLo Green. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was pretty much playing himself, right? I mean, that was the, yeah, the, yeah. Know, and, and he had a very fun time with it, yes, him and his little posse. Is and, Blake Shelton in this too? No Blake Shelton. Voice. No, no, no. <laughs> only one voice character, so that's it. Yeah. So oh, no, two, two. Yeah, that's right. Mean, so, oh, they couldn't have the trifecta in there. So, yeah. so you know, and and, uh, and and basically they're they're basically packaging this and trying to sell it, and 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 times have changed. You know, you can release music on the internet, and now they're talking to record producers about how to do that and what sort of support they're going to get, and and I just find it such an interesting contrast mm-hmm. in how things have evolved from. From the the fictional 1960s to the fictional 2010 or whenever this is taking place, and and the way the music business operates, and um, you know the the continued uh, uh, pull between music and craft and the business part of it. So enjoyed both movies. There's some business lessons in them. You know, mm-hmm. perhaps a little bit of a reach, but uh, but good watching. Uh, begin again. Probably some language issues there, but. Uh, you know, but still fairly, fairly yeah. good. Watch. I mean, f- family watch. You know, it's not bad. Um, I, I think it's been a really long time since I've seen that thing you do, but uh, I remember liking it a lot because I'm the same way. I love music. Film films about music. Begin Again is one I've actually seen three times now because it's one of those that's kind of popped up on Netflix and I've had like running in the background sometimes. It's like it really holds up and it's a fun, entertaining film. I wish actually they did more about the music business in it than they do. I mean, I'd love if uh, they did a pretty good job of talking to the music business. I would have loved even more of it, but uh, it was a good balance. So it was a good surprising film for me. So. 
And if you're a fan of New York City, you'll like the movie as yeah. well. And the, 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 I think that just the setting plays a lot into the movie. And they, they, they record a lot in different locations in New York City, which is fun. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that Keira Knightley is actually a singer or a good <laughs> singer, but, but, uh, uh, but she does fine, you know, yeah. And, and so, yeah, no, we 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 yeah, we did show it at our film society and got a good response from it, and uh, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I've actually got the soundtrack on my phone that I listen to every once in a while. So yeah, it's good music. So, okay. all right, Very cool, nice. We did a good job. Good job. Yeah. That's right. I've got right. three or four films listed on my list that I need to uh, get to watch now this holiday season. So all right, so so and so just uh, I've, I've been taking notes just to recap. We've got. Steve Jobs, we've got the Hudsucker Proxy, we've got Joy, we've got the Intern, we've got Citizen Kane, we've got Indie Game, we've got The Big Short, we've got That Thing You Do, we've got Begin Again. That's I don't think you'll be able to get through them all, so you're going to have to pick and choose. But we a hope, great listen, great Christmas help, season. I'm going to help a little bit. Honestly, if you have to choose, don't watch Steve Jobs. I, you know, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Skip that one. If you got to choose of mine, definitely go watch Citizen Kane if you've never seen it before. And then all the ones these guys mentioned. Uh, if you have kids, you can't better. see either of mine. Uh, uh, no, right. you can see Joy. Yeah, not, it depends. But, you but not Wolf of Wall Street. Down. Going back one year, we're not going to do that. you got kids in the room, that does cut this list in half. That's right. Year, so. right. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. All right. Well, we, we like to end with highlighting from small businesses that we've come across in our travels and, and uh, small businesses that are doing interesting things that you should check out. So, Alan, do you have a small business that you would like to, to share with the I, audience this I month? I do. And actually, I'm going to do another. This is going to be another meta crossover with another podcast. So I'm kind of really bending this all around here. It's a mesh mash. It is a mesh. <laughs> this is a true mesh mash. So I have, I'm co-host of another show called Stepping Up Service, and we talk about customer service. It's a big thing, big part of my job. My role in, in my company is chief customer officer, so I'm very focused on what our clients are getting and how to deliver the best service we can. So at the Stepping Up Service podcast, which I just recorded an episode yesterday of, we have a customer service story that we share at the end of our episode, an experience we've had in the last 30 days with a company, good or bad, that we want to kind of highlight and talk about what was good about the customer service or what was bad about that story. So this is a story I gave yesterday, but it's highlighting a company that I think fits this, this model. So again, I've stitched this all together. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> so my, a little quick background. I don't want to take too much time with this, but so family business, uh, my family and I, we had a business for about 40 years. Uh, we have sold the main part of that business to another company just this past April. So we have, kind of gotten to get into our own little grooves of things we're interested in now. So uh, we still have a, one business that we as a family own and help manage. And then I'm working with this new business. My father's doing some independent consulting. We're kind of getting to explore some different territories. We've always, as a family, wanted to do something a little celebratory for my father. Because, I mean, he spent 40-some years working on this building this company up. And because of that, everything, we I mean, the mesh, this building we're in, everything is all because of kind of his initial works. So we're actually having a celebration this weekend coming up 
because my brother's coming into town for Thanksgiving and we're all going to be together for a few days. So we're going to kind of celebrate a little bit the history of the company. My father has always wanted, as a joke, he has always wanted a bobblehead made of himself. <laughs> That's always been his running joke. It's like he just he wants a bobblehead on his desk of him. So we have found a company that makes custom bobbleheads and they have made one. And I haven't got it in yet. It's supposed to come in by Saturday, so hopefully it'll be here in time for us to celebrate it. But um, the reason I want to bring this company up is because I, I gave it as a story yesterday on the Stepping Up Service show because of the customer service. You know, I'm wanting to find a company to build a custom bobblehead. I don't know any company around this area, so I go online. And, of course, there's all these websites. So, yeah, we can build a bobblehead for you, do all this stuff for you. I really just kind of had to roll the dice and say, I don't know anything about any of these companies. Let me just try this one because their websites seem to be pretty clear. They seem to have their act together a little bit. And I tell you, it's been an awesome customer service experience. These guys have been emailing me every single day while we've been working on this model. They're sending me drafts of his head that they're sculpting every stage of the way. It's like, Alan, we'd love to get your feedback. Is there anything we should change on this before we move to the next step? And they're letting me know the whole time, hey, listen, if you can get back to us by tomorrow, we can make sure we can keep our shipping path on, on time for you to have it. So it's just so much dialogue going on on email. It's great. I've never talked to these guys online or in person, but the emails I get are informative. They're very clear. They're, they're very specific. And you guys will be the first ones to see this picture, but this is what it looks like. And oh, wow. I think it actually looks oh, wow. pretty darn like him, you know, especially in the, in the face there. So, you know, again, that's working with us. They, they had a really simple where you just upload a whole bunch of photos of the person, all different angles. And they came up with a really good model that I think looks pretty darn close to him. Well, we hope we'll sh- that you'll share the name of this company. Oh, yeah, I guess I should do that. Yeah, I, was, so, yeah. I got my pencil. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to write. <laughs> the tension cutting it with a knife here. It's uh, amazingbobbleheads.com. All right. That is the name of the company. And again, when you go search for custom bobbleheads, you really get a slew of these companies that you just don't know anything about. I really get nervous about that kind of thing. As much as I love shopping online, it's just when it's a company I've never heard of, I still get very nervous. The fact that these guys are good quality product, great customer service so far, I I will recommend them. If you need a custom bobblehead made of somebody for any reason, amazingbobbleheads.com. I think that's a great uh, great Christmas. For the uncle who has everything. There you go. That's it. Uh, Just so you know, it takes about three weeks. That's what I was going to ask. Just kind of a turnaround time. Reasonable price. Um, for the service? For a custom, it's about 200 bucks okay. to get a custom-made one. Oh, that's full body. That's where okay. they can So if I just get half of one. <laughs> right. Well, what they can do is they can do a custom head and put it on a one of their standard oh, off-the-shelf gotcha. off, off bodies. Didn't even think about that. But um, I looked at all the bodies, and I'm like, this is the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done. <laughs> it's trying to review a draft of what's supposed to look like my father. And I'm like, okay. Is he going to be bothered by the way this looks? Or should I do this a little differently? Does, does like, this bobblehead oh make me look fat? Right. Yeah, yes. like it's that. very nerve-wracking. So I'm very happy with the end result. And, and, I, and, and based on what you're saying, I can only assume one of two things. Number one, we're not going to drop this podcast before Thanksgiving. Right. Or number two, the likelihood of your father ever listening to the end of these podcasts is very, very low. <laughs> well, it's, it's longer than 22 minutes. So he's already yeah, there you All go. Right. That's now, a good I, point. I, I have thought this through both the show yesterday and the one today. Uh, as long as they don't post, <laughs> and as long as they don't post it earlier than Monday, I'm good, and I okay. think we're covered by yes. that. So, okay. Yes. So, okay. Amazingbobbleheads.com for that rare situation where you need a bobblehead made 
fast. <laughs> I think that's a great Christmas. Yeah. There you go. All right. Birthday present. Mm-hmm. Chris, what say you? Mine is much along mm-hmm. along the lines of uh, stocking stuffers. Uh, I'm going to recommend Harry's, and a lot of you may know who this is, but they their whole reason for coming into business was they said, you know what? We are sick of going to a grocery store or a drugstore and having to wait for them to unlock the case so I can just get razor blades. All I want is a pack of razor blades. That's it. Not only that, but sometimes a pack of four razor blades could be like 20 bucks or something. They're like, this is ridiculous. There's got to be a better way. So they like went to Germany supposedly and got a factory and they produced the razor blades and they came up there and it's originally it was all online. And I think now they've actually worked out a deal where some of the blades I think are actually sold at Target. Don't know if they're in a locked case, but, <clears throat> but the whole thing is you can order razor blades online. It's very easy. Like Alan said, they're very customer friendly mm-hmm. and their website's really clean. Kind of has like an Apple look to it. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Harry's. So that's going to be my Well, and, and, and you know, I'm looking at Chris and, and he's got a beard right now, but, uh, <laughs> no shame I, November, so. I, I, I actually am a customer of Harry's okay. and I'll, and I'll tell you one experience I had when I first ordered, uh, uh, when I first, first started ordering with them, they send you an email saying your blades are on the way. And this was maybe the second or third month that I was getting blades from them. Didn't show up, didn't show up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and finally I called them and said, Hey, uh, didn't get your blades, and they go online. So, well, something happened. It, you know, we don't show it as delivering. We will get you some out right away. Hmm. They did. Like a couple of days later, I got it. A couple of days later, after that, the blades did show up. So uh, I'm like, I got double blades. And on occasion, this was one of them. And I'm, I'm an honest person. I actually called and said, Hey, yeah, you don't, you know, you, know, you can charge me for those blades because I, I got them. And they said. Don't worry about it. We're not going to charge you for them. Share them with somebody else. You, you know, it, it was a sort of customer service experience that makes you think, I'm going to do business with these people yeah. for a long time. It wasn't <laughs> right. a big investment on their part. I got some free razor blades, but it made me think, yeah, these are people you want to, you want to do business That's with. What you so, do. so good experience there. It's good so, to hear. So. Gary. Well, my business once was a small business. Mm-hmm. Chris said I had permission to do that since I started small. <laughs> He's not really a host point. here. He's not a host on this show. <laughs> well, well, go ahead, yeah, all right? Yeah, pre- Pre-game plan. Uh, PDQ. Oh. And the reason I picked it is, obviously, it's local franchise here, and mm-hmm. I got opportunity to get a backstage tour uh, a couple for, weeks for, ago. For those of us that aren't local, what is PDQ? Well, that's a, glad you asked. Okay. <laughs> it's a fast, casual chain of chicken, mm-hmm. and uh, they're headquartered in uh, Tampa. What does PDQ stand for? This is... Um, I, you know? I always thought it was pretty darn quick, but uh, Originally, I Originally, it was pretty damn quick. Excuse oh, me. <laughs> so risque, Gary. Just got the explicit warning on this podcast. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. I, I, I'm doing a quote from the, the owners of it. Yep. Huh. It now stands for people dedicated to quality oh, and yeah. for chicken. It's Very nice. fresh. And I was really impressed with the tour when I went through. I don't know if anybody's eaten there much. Right. Uh, I've eaten so, there before. So how how long has it been in business? I mean, do you know? 2009. Oh, okay. So it's still fairly fairly new. new. Um, uh, and they have locations? Uh, southeast, primarily. They have 55 okay. chains yeah. uh, or stores right now across, hmm. mostly in Florida. Mm-hmm. But they have quite a few in North Carolina, which I was surprised to see. Well, I'll say the thing I've, I've been impressed whenever I've gone by there is, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a unique layout of a space. It's kind of an interesting-looking yeah. restaurant. It's not your traditional I don't know. It just has a they're trying. They're trying to have to a little bit different feel mm-hmm. for it, like say fresh. And of course, I went back and showed how they do yeah. everything fresh. The chicken's um, really good. Yeah, it is, too, and they've so got different good. sauces and stuff. And it was founded in Tampa, but the concept they was on a road trip 
these two guys had in North Carolina. So it takes oh, great from a, a back there, home so. uh, down to earth uh, called Tenders. They didn't even say where the town is in North Carolina, but the concept they picked. The oh. guys that started it, uh, one was a founder for Outback of that, and one, okay. another chain, not sure if it was Chili's or wow. Applebee's. So they have a lot of restaurant franchise experience. Yes, they brought so that's the why table, I think they're so successful. They could, they're trying to look for a, a little bit different concept. They could get they it have. kind of a push through a little quicker maybe with some good experience they've had. Yeah. So that's, so, that's neat. Okay. Good. All right. Well, my small business of the month I, I came from an article I saw in the New York Times by uh, writer Constant Gusty in uh, October. It's a company called Benchmade Modern, which uh, we, we were talking earlier about uh, people that find ways to disrupt industries. And uh, Benchmade Modern uh, is are online sofas that you can order, and uh, they're customized. You can buy them. Uh, and, and determine the styling, determine the fabric, determine the length. They can even go by inches and uh, in, in one-inch increments. You can go online, get them. They started in 2015. Uh, they have a factory in Los Angeles that tracks the construction process, provides online updates on the status of the order, and they ship within seven days as opposed to more traditional furniture companies, which it can take anywhere from two weeks, four weeks, six weeks to, to get your furniture from. Uh, it was started by a fellow named Edgar Blazona, who kept hearing complaints about long delivery times, lack of choice, and uh, he did something about it. They've uh, got a hybrid store model. They're actually headquartered in San Francisco. They, they sell online. They also have a showroom in San Francisco. They've raised $800,000 from six angel investors, and they're raising an additional million dollars from venture capitalists to improve their factory. But you can go there right now at www.benchmademodern.com and check them out. And if you're interested in a sofa or, or chair, you can go through the process and work with them. But just sort of an interesting concept of how uh, they're combining uh, you know, some of the, the, the current uh, Internet uh, online buying and selling and, and disrupting a more traditional industry and and we live in an area that uh, makes a lot of furniture so hopefully they take note and uh, can adapt uh, and and take on some of that as well so that's that's really cool jeff and i i gotta say i think that's probably the most diverse set of companies uh, we could have imagined so, i mean sofas bobbleheads shaving chicken <laughs> yeah. and i usually focus on food or toys yeah, yeah. So, that's well, great well a little bit of everything today so uh we've really blown past our 22 that's minute uh, average podcast of course we won't be back next week but uh, we'll be back <laughs> next month but we want to thank alan and chris for joining us oh, today well, thank you guys i've been I've, I've added four this films to great. my watch list there's just because of this conversation so thank you very much if you want to find out more about the foot candle film society you can go to www.footcandle.org and read org. Dot org. and we uh, don't know where dot com goes so don't 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 try to go there go to the <laughs> org yeah you can read about uh, films that uh, we're seeing here in our area and uh, and whatnot and, and also get some links to to the foot candle film podcast as well so 
you're, you guys are always welcome. Yeah, yes. we might this not see fantastic. you another year, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll do it again. We no, want this to, is always fun. This is a true highlight. So we've had it on our calendar for a while now. So looking so, forward to it. Well, we, we thank the mesh. If uh, if you've got some ideas for business of the month, small business of the month, you can email us at eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we use your business, we'll send you some prizes. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again or talking with you again next month. Uh, thanks again, guys. Thanks, Gary. Have Thank a good you. Thanksgiving. Good holidays. Right. You too. Thank you. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.